The title of the series is When God's Burden Becomes Our Vision. When God's Burden Becomes Our Vision. And the reason we titled that is because we want everyone to know, first and foremost, that God has a burden. His burden is that His people would come to know Him as Lord and Savior. His burden is that His people would understand that He loves us so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross and to rise again for you and me so that we could have life and life more abundantly today. God wants that burden to become our vision. And when that becomes your vision, it should force you out from beyond these church walls into your community, into the highways, into the byways, to the uttermost parts of the world, telling people that God has a burden for them. And that is exactly what happened to Nehemiah, our main character in this story. Nehemiah got God's burden, and God's burden became Nehemiah's vision. And Nehemiah had a challenge to go and to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Now, this was something the men of Jerusalem had not been able to do this for over a hundred years. And 40 years. Yet Nehemiah takes on the challenge, and with the supernatural help of God, he accomplishes this in 52 days. So, this is where we're at in the story of Nehemiah to catch you up on it. The walls have now been built in 52 days, it's a miracle. The gates have been hung. And so, Nehemiah is getting ready to start setting in place the rules, the regulations, the principles, and the ordinances that are going to govern this city. And so last week we began to talk about some of those principles that Nehemiah was setting in. The first thing he did is he reinstituted the temple. Let me tell you why this is so important. Again, the temple was a representation of God's presence. This is where people were able to come and experience the presence of God. Now, why is this so important? Because it had not been in place for over 140 years. Folks, this was the first time these people were ever able to go and experience the presence of God. It was extremely important. It was very much so the foundation of what they were doing. So he got the temple reinstituted and the sacrificial system going again. And then the second thing we talked about last week was he brought out the Word of God. He said this city is going to be governed and founded upon the Word of God. He started it by having a six-hour church service from which he just simply had everybody stand, and for six hours he read from God's Word, and miraculously enough, they listened for six hours. (laughs) I can't get you to listen for 11 minutes sometimes, and they listened for six hours to the Word of God. And the Word of God changed them. It radically changed their life. So the last thing he instituted that we talked about last week was the covenant which they came and they signed and the covenant said, we are going to join ourselves to the laws and the principles of God. We will be called God's people. We are going to follow and live and move and have our being in God Almighty. So they instituted that covenant. And that's where we're at today. Again, looking at the things that Nehemiah is setting in place for the foundation of what this city is going to be and how it's going to be governed. So, the title of this message is Why Put God First? And that's because the next principle, the next ordinance that Nehemiah is instituting into this city is everything that we do, everything that we are, and everything that we will be, we will put God first. So, he's talking to them about their finances, their stewardship, that God's going to be first in every area of their life. So, we're in chapter 10, verse 35. If you're there, say amen. 
All right, the rest of you will catch up. Verse 35, And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruit of all the fruit of all trees year by year to the house of the Lord, to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, to bring the first fruits of our dough, our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and the oil, to the priests, to the storerooms of the house of our God, and to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites. So he's making a difference here between the tithes and the first fruits, which is what we were talking about this coming week. You're going to have an opportunity to give a first fruit of the great adventure. He goes on to say, For the Levites should receive the tithes in all our farming community. And the priests, the descendants of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes. Now listen to this. And the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the rooms of the storehouse. Now that scripture right there backs up what we do here at Lighthouse. Everything that Lighthouse brings in, our budget, our income, we tithe more than 10%. We give close to 20%. We give out. Just like they're saying here, we give almost 20% of our income to missions, to missionaries, to benevolence needs, to widows, to orphanages. You know, we have the orphanage in Juarez. We have the orphanage in Bolivia. And so almost 20% of our income goes back out to bless those people from the other most parts of the world. And this is one of the scriptures that back up and say why we do that. He goes on in verse 39. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offerings of the grain, of the new wine and the oil, to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, and we will not neglect the house of our God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you that you will not neglect your house. Lord, that we as a people are your church has nothing to do with a building, Father, that has everything to do with us being your temple. And you will not neglect your church. Father, I thank you that you're watching and you're overseeing and you're protecting us. Lord, I pray that you would take your word that we know will not return void, but it will accomplish what you set out for it to accomplish. And that it would fall upon teachable hearts this morning. Lord, we open our hearts and we open our ears. We open our spirit to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. So the principle that Nehemiah is trying to set in place is put God first. Put him first in every single area of your life. Now that sounds like a great statement to make. But as I begin to speak this morning, you're going to be thinking, well, there are some areas that God's not first in my life. Why should I put him first? Why would I put God first? And that's the title of this message this morning. Nehemiah is setting in place an ordinance that, remember, he's getting all of this from Scripture, right? We just said he spent six hours reading God's Word to the people, and then he turned around and he did that for seven days. So as he's reading God's Word, he's getting all of these ordinances. He's getting all these principles that he wants to institute. So he's getting this from God's Word. I want to show it to you in Exodus chapter 13. This is where Nehemiah gets this. Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 God is speaking to Moses and giving him the commandments, giving him the mandates, giving him the rules and the laws that he wants his children to live by. Chapter 13, verse 1, he says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, 
Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beasts, it is mine. For the sake of time, go down to verse 11 where he says, And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of the donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Say lamb. One more time. You shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay. This is where Nehemiah is getting his principle of the first. Now, there's two things I see in here, and I want to bring out this morning, and we're through. First of all, why put God first? Number one, because he's God. (laughs) God is a first God. If you're taking notes, which I hope you are, that's the first thing you've got to remember. God's a first God. He's not a second God. I challenge you to find anywhere in Scripture where God says, it's okay, put me second in this area in your life. You can put me second in your marriage, that's okay. You can put your family before me. You can put your kids before me, that's okay. You can put your time before me. You can put your business before me. You can put your money before me. I'll take second place, that's not a big deal to me. No. God is a first place God. In every area of your life, he wants to be first in your day. He wants to be first in your marriage. He wants to be first in your family. He wants to be first in your business. He wants to be first in your time. He wants to be first in your finances. In every area of your life, God wants to be first. And he deserves it because he is God. He spells it out in Scripture extremely clear. Look at these Scriptures here. Now, when we come to the word first, I want you to say it out loud with me. I want you to say it with gusto. Like you really believe God is saying, yes, he wants to be first, okay? We're going to just go through these scriptures real quick. You shall not delay to offer the first. Oh, that's good. You guys beat all the other services right there. Offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. Exodus 23 says the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. 40 in Exodus says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meetings. Proverbs 3, a great passage. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. What an awesome, awesome promise there. He goes on in Isaiah says, Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel my called. I am he. I am the first, and I am also the last. Matthew says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Did I go too fast? Y'all miss that one? Okay, let's do that and over again. Go back. We got to go back. I don't want y'all to miss anyone. But seek first the kingdom of his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Matthew 22 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. goes on in 1 Corinthians. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. Boy, I love prosper. That there be no collections when I come. 1 John 4, 19, one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible. We love him because he first loved us. We go into Revelation where he says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your 
first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Revelation goes on to say, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. Do you get it? That's just a few of hundreds and hundreds of scriptures that talk about putting God first in your life. God is not going to be second. He doesn't want to be a second God because He's not a second place God. He's a first place God. In every area of your life, God is a first place God. Before the world was formed, God was first there. Before you were born, God was first there. If God goes to the Olympics, He's only bringing home the gold. He's not going to bring home silver or bronze. He's not a second place or third place God. He's a first place God. If he played golf, his score would be 18 because he's going to get it in the hole on the first swing. Do you get it? He's a first place God. He's not a second place God. Why would you ever want to give God your leftovers? Why would you ever want to give God the leftover of your day, the last part of your day, the last part of your finances, the last part of your family, the last part of your kids? Why don't you give Him the first of everything? And when you get up in the morning before your feet hit the ground, if you could just at the very least say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice in it. Lord, I'm living for you. And you hit the ground running. Instead of getting to the end of the day and saying, Lord, thank you that I survived another day. He's a first place God. He's not a second place God. The reason that he's a first place God is number two. And this is good. This is good. The reason he's a first place God is because he's a redeeming God. See, if you'll give him the first, he can bless and redeem the rest. Now, I hope you get this. If you'll give him the first part of your day, then you've got the rest of the day for him to bless, you see. But if you get to the end of the day and you lay in bed at night and you say, Lord, I haven't had time to come to you. Father, would you just bless me? And he's going, well, it's 9 o'clock. I only got about two more hours here to bless you. There's not much to bless. You know, if you'll give him the first part of your day, if you come to the end of your paycheck and you say, Lord, there's not much here left. I only got a few dollars, but would you bless it? He's going, well, there's not much there to bless. But if you give him the first part, he gets to bless all of it. There's no reason to give God the old, crusty, nasty leftovers of our life. Give Him the best. My family and I, we go to a real nice restaurant at times, and I I love taking them there. You may have heard of it. It's called C.J. Pizze. You ever heard of that? It's a nice restaurant. Some of you may call it C.C.'s Pizza, but we call it C.J. Pizze. Nice restaurant. But how many of you know at C.J. Pizze's, you don't want to be second? (laughs) In that buffet line where the fingers have stuck in the pizza and moved it around. They bit on it and didn't like it and put it back. I mean, you don't want to be second. We pulled up there here not too long ago. And at the same time we pulled up, a school bus pulled up right with us. And I yelled out in the car, code red. (laughs) My family knows what that means. Run. And we started running, and Dana yelled out, Michael, he fell. And I said, leave him, run, go. (laughs) Because, you know, those kids get in there, man, and they just breathing on that stuff. They're licking on it, and they're putting it back. And it's like, you don't want seconds at C.J. Pizze's. Are you with me? Why would you want seconds? You want the best. You want the first. Listen, folks, God wants the first. He wants the best so that he can bless 
the rest. God wants the first fruits offering. He wants the first of our lives. He wants the first of our day. He wants the first part of your marriage, the first part of your family. Give it to him first. Let me give you an example here. You could actually be giving God, you know, 10% of your income and not even be tithing. See, some of you equate tithing with an amount where the tithe is what? It's first given to God. But if you come along and you go, okay, I'm going to take care of GMAC, I'm going to take care of my mortgage, I'm going to take care of my light bill, I'm going to take care of my gas bill, I'm going to take care of all these other bills, and oh, look, Lord, I've got 10% left over to give you. Uh, Here you go. Would you bless it? That's leftovers. Because he can't bless anything. But if I gave him the first, if I said, Lord, I've gotten paid now, Father, I'm giving you the first, would you bless the rest? He says, oh, yeah. And I can't explain it. I've been walking with the Lord now for more than 20 years, and I've been giving to the Lord and tithing for more than 20 years, and I can't explain to you how he takes 90% of my income and makes it go so much further than I could ever make 100% go. But it's his supernatural blessing that does it. I've been broke. I mean, Dana and I have been so broke, you can't pay attention. And that's broke. I'm telling you. When you look at your money and you go, here's all of these bills, and the bills far outweigh the money, but Lord, we're giving to you first. And at the end of the month, how in the world did all that get paid and we have left over? The supernatural blessings of God. Do you see what I'm talking about? Let me give you an illustration. Tony, can I use you real quick? Let's say that Tony came over to my house and I hired him to do some plumbing, which I would never do. (laughs) Tony and I actually did plumbing at his house one time. We almost burned down the whole house, man. So... Tony comes over and he does some plumbing in my house, so I pay Tony $1,000. There's 10 $100 bills that Tony has there, okay? Now, he knows, because he's been in church long enough, 10% of that goes to God, okay? So how much is he going to give to the Lord? Come on, homeschoolers. Be 1000 bucks, 10% of 1000 $100, there you go. So $100 goes to the Lord, Okay, so he's got 10 $100 bills there, and he knows that $100 goes to the Lord. Which one of those is the tithe? The first one. That's exactly right. So that God can bless, amen, the rest. Thank you, Tony. No, 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 no. (laughs) I've seen your plumbing work. You owe me. (laughs) Now, let me show you how this spells out in Scripture. Back to verse 13 in chapter 13 of Exodus where God says, Bring every firstborn of a donkey and you shall redeem with a lamb. Say lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. I studied this passage. The donkey represents an unclean animal. Okay? It doesn't necessarily represent just a donkey. It represents something that has been born that's unclean. That's imperfect, that has a flaw in it. And what God is saying in this passage here is if your animal is born with a flaw in it, one of two things has to happen. Are you with me? It either has to be redeemed by what? By a lamb or it has to die. So if you've been born, if you've got an animal that's been born imperfect, God's saying it either has to be redeemed by a perfect lamb, or it has to die. Do you see it? 
You and I were born into sin. Scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were all born imperfect, church. So there had to be a pure, perfect, spotless lamb sacrificed so that we don't have to die. And in John chapter 1, the gospel of John, when John the Baptist is on the banks of that river baptizing people, and for the first time, he looks up and he sees Jesus walking towards him, and he yells out with a loud voice, what? He says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the entire world. Jesus was God's tie. God gave his first, listen to me folks, so that the rest could be redeemed. He gave his first, he gave his best so that the rest, you and me, could be blessed. Man, is that not good? Come on now, that is good. You have been blessed because the pure, perfect, spotless lamb was sacrificed for your life. He died for your sins, but he rose again for your living And now you get to move. You get to have your being in God Almighty. You get to live in freedom. You get to live in joy. You get to live in victory. You get to live in power. You get to live in hope. You get to live with a destiny and identity that cannot be taken away from you because God gave his first so that you could be blessed. Now, why in the world would I not want to put God first in every area of my life when he gave it all? You don't have to wait for God to do something. He's already done it. At the cross, he's done it all. Why shouldn't I put God first? He deserves it. Amen.